One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. This is Sean Frost from Lower Manhattan in New York City, where I live with my husband, Kenny, and our one-year-old Chihuahua, Tito. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Sean, um, who is introducing his show and also giving a little tease to the the pet that he has, which isn't a mascot, but which now I want to see. I want to see Tito, Catherine. <laughs> I wonder whether Sean can send, send Tito in just for our eyes. Mm, pet mentions are always welcome within the confines of the, of the intro, always. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they just don't get in the newsletter, do they, Matt? No, that's right. But the rule is, I think, if you mention a pet, you have to send in an accompanying photo. Mm, them yeah. the rules. Because otherwise we've just, we're just sat there wondering what Tito looks like. So anyway, Sean, thank you so much for um, introducing this edition of the Tennis Podcast. If you'd like to do the same, you can do so via Friends of the Tennis Podcast. Become a friend at that level. Uh, the link to become a friend is in the show notes of your podcast app right now. We are all assembling to talk about the Davis Cup finals by Rakuten, which start tomorrow as we record on Monday evening. Matt is in Malaga. Catherine has managed to get back from Turin on the grand total of three hours sleep, Catherine. And uh, so far, you seem in quite a good mood for that. Yeah, I tell you what you don't want when you've only had three hours sleep after 10 incredibly intense uh, days of work. It's it's a plane full of tennis people, <laughs> <laughs> many of whom are lovely and great, but they're all looking at you like, do I recognise you? You look a little bit like someone I've seen on the telly, just worse. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. Okay. Mm. Well, I haven't seen any tennis people today. Um, I've just been in solid hall. Yeah, they were all on the 10 past 10 from Turin to Gatwick. Ah, yes, that's right. And uh, Matt had Jack, Jack Sock yesterday and Catherine's had everybody else in tennis. Um, so, okay. Matt, tell us about Malaga kind of T minus one, the day before things get going. What what was it like? What was it like when you opened your curtains? Because we were all very curious about your view last night when it was dark. Now you know what it's like. Tell us. It didn't disappoint. A gorgeous ocean view, early sunrise. Yeah, it was It was really, really great. It set me up for the day. I should say now, please do bear with me, even though I'm in exactly the same spot I was in to record the podcast yesterday, my internet appears to have got even worse in the last 24 hours. And I'm conscious I may be on a terrible delay on this Zoom call. And I promise it isn't because I'm just streaming the fact that there are four Fulham players involved in a World Cup game tonight. I have turned the stream off 
for the purposes of this of this recording, the the professional. That I'll let I am. you know if Tim Ream unexpectedly scores. Please Matt. do. More likely to be in the wrong goal. But anyway, <laughs> this, uh, the look on Catherine's face when I asked her you for your view, Matt. Um, anyway, um, so it's been preview day. You've you've had chance to speak to. A couple of the teams, I think, have come into a press conference today. The matches get underway tomorrow. It's it's not like Billie Jean King Cup finals, is it, where you've got multiple matches every single day because, frankly, there are half the number of teams. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're easing us in and sort of keeping us at that pace for most of the event, really, because there's there's pretty much only one tie per day until we get to Thursday when there are two ties. Uh, but, yeah, Pretty quiet today on site, just just press conferences with the Spanish team and the German team, which we can get into, I'm sure, when we when we preview their ties, perhaps. Uh, but good to get a feel of the venue. It's the Palacio de Deportes Martín Carpena. It's about six or seven kilometres outside of the centre of Malaga. And I found out that it actually hosted a Davis Cup tie before the uh, 2003 semi-final between Spain and Argentina, which went all the way to a fifth rubber and was won by Carlos Moya there. So there's a sort of good good Davis Cup vibes in the venue. Um, it's about a 10,000, 11,000 seater, but it feels quite intimate because unlike the Emirates Arena in Glasgow, where they didn't well they weren't playing in the sort of max of the arena so there were gaps at the sides here it seats all the way around so it's filled in and i think that will hopefully sort of keep the noise in and and create quite a buzz and everyone gets a little bit vague when asked about tickets and how many have been sold but generally i think the signs are quite good i i do think ticket sales have been pretty strong um, and tomorrow, I know for a fact that the Netherlands, who are playing tomorrow, have brought over a lot of fans. So I'm expecting them to make quite a bit of noise and generate quite a bit of atmosphere. So hopefully from that side of things, it will be an improvement on the Billie Jean King Cup and also on the other editions of this new Davis Cup finals. Netherlands feels like one of the stories of the tournament to me already at this point. The fact that they came through that group, which had United States and Great Britain in Great Britain to get past, and they went 3-0. and I, I, I find that pretty astounding. Um, and they have this history in team competition, don't they? They make you feel like anything is possible. I mean, Catherine, you would have spent time in the company in the past with Paul Harhouse, for instance. And and this there is something about the vibe with with the Dutch in tennis that I kind of feel like they they punched above their weight, even though they even though they've got good players, and yet they feel like real real competitors in this competition as well. I mean playing Australia that's a tough draw, but still that that feels pretty live tomorrow to me. Yes. I um unlike Matt, I'm not I'm not in a dodgy internet situation and I'm not relying on the internet to have the football on in the background. I've currently got USA Wales on and uh, the words greater than the sum of their parts were said about the Welsh football team, I think 47,000 times in the build-up to <laughs> this this match. And uh, I think that's probably 
the sort of turn of phrase you might use about the Dutch team as well. They, they've always, exactly as you say, about Harhus and Elting and that generation, there seems a very collegiate atmosphere among the Dutch. Um, I don't know... I don't know enough Dutch people to say whether that's a sort of a national trait. I simply don't know, but I certainly get that impression from them. Mm. It's it's quite a tie to kick things off that, Matt, isn't it? Because, you know, Australia have such a rich tradition in this competition. Now, we should say that there's no Nick Kyrgios in that team, which, I, look, I know him and Tanasi Kakanakis are great mates and their doubles partners and everything, but... I, that must have been a slightly awkward moment when they went their separate ways in Turin Airport and Kyrgios went home, I guess. I don't know where he's gone. Uh, and Kakanakis came to Malaga and he's going to play alongside Alex de Menor. I mean, that's it's one of those things, isn't it? I, 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 I am a little surprised that he didn't want to play. Yes, and I think uh, whoever made one of the giant posters outside the arena is also surprised that he didn't play because Nick Kyrgios' face is on it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, he's been very he's been very open, hasn't he, about how much he doesn't necessarily enjoy the travel and he wants to spend as much time in Australia as as possible. I do get that. At the same time, he's he's come over to Europe end of the season for the ATP Finals. It would have been nice to see him here as well. And it certainly would have strengthened the Australia team, which isn't the strongest. You know, looking at it on on paper, I actually agree with you, David. I think it's a very, very live tie tomorrow against the Dutch because you've got Dimonor, who's really reliable for them. He's I think he's won eight of his last nine matches in this in this competition. He shows up. I think he's got a really good connection with Leighton Hewitt on the bench. They sort of are on the same level and they, they really understand each other, I think. And then you've got Kokinakis, who hasn't played a great deal of singles, and then a doubles team of, well, they could maybe use one of those singles options, but they've also got Max Purcell and Matt Ebden versus the Dutch doubles team, where we've got Wesley Koolhoff and Middlecoop. So you would say the Dutch are stronger there. And if if Bultik van der Zanskulp or Tim van Rijthoven or Talon Griekspoor can nick a singles and take it to the doubles, you would probably be favouring the Dutch, especially after what that doubles pair, as you said, achieved in, in Glasgow. So I think, it's, I think it's a really interesting opening tie. Just on Kyrgios, he, he talked uh, in his and Kokonakis' uh, first press conference after the match, they lost... Um, in uh, in Turin, can't quite remember who they lost to. They faded badly to, or Kyrgios in particular faded badly towards the uh, towards the end of that match. He'd flown in at, at midnight, uh, the night or morning before the match, and they were scheduled to play in the afternoon session. And he talks a lot about the unique difficulties that face Antipodean players and time away from home and travel and the rest of it, which in principle, is something I can definitely have sympathy with and something that we should bear in mind with with Australian players. But Nick Kyrgios had flown in from an exhibition in Mexico, not from Australia. Um, and that's fine. That's his choice. But Can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. And look, that's not just him. There is a lot of players complaining about the schedule and about the lack of off-season and then going off to play very lucrative uh, exhibitions or series even of exhibitions 
in locations pretty far away from home for them. And for me, that really does diminish the power of the argument about the the schedule and the length of off-season, which is a shame because I would like that argument to be as powerful as possible. I do think the um, the schedule needs reforming. Um, so I don't, you know, he's not alone in that um, conflict of messaging, but it, it's a little bit rich to, to get that particular violin out. Yes. Matt, you, when you're reeling off the, the Dutch players, you, you named a doubles team and you also named three singles players, I believe, didn't you? But I think you only named two Australian singles players and two doubles players for Australia. Have they only brought four or, or do they have another player? I believe Australia only have only have four with them. And um, you allowed a team of five. And that's actually been a real conversation about the US team because they've only got four. They've got uh, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, amazing lineup. They've got Jack Sock, as we know, because he was on my flight. But they haven't got Rajiv Ram. And Ram is annoyed. He, I believe he spoke in his press conference after winning the ATP finals saying, I don't really understand why I haven't been picked. He, I think he played in the group stage, didn't he? And played with Sock. You know, he's, he's an experienced doubles player. He's a brilliant doubles player. I don't really understand why he's not been brought here. I haven't had a chance to speak to Marty Fish yet. I'm sure everyone will be asking him that question. Uh, so, yeah, that's been the sort of real talking point of the US team selection. And Australia have also gone with only a team of four. Well, it's, a, it's a good question, generally, isn't it? Why would you not mm. choose that extra player when you can? I don't understand that. Um, and actually, uh, generally speaking, I mean, this this... We'll come back to a debate we have a lot about picking a team and whether you pick double specialists as part of it. I mean, in this in this setup, you actually can pick a doubles team and still have all the singles options you want, really, which is is enough choice. But to, that I mean, what is the what is the doubles team for America? Well, I suppose the argument is that Jack Sock is such a good doubles player and is a player who doesn't necessarily have a regular partner. He's quite used to filling in with other players, sometimes other singles players. You know, we've seen him play very successfully with John Isner. So if there's anyone that probably can do that role, I suppose it is Jack Sock. He's he's done it in the Labour Cup a lot as well, hasn't he? But surely Jack Sock and Rajiv Ram would be their strongest possible doubles team. And Rajiv Ram has made himself available he's just not been picked uh so it is it is a bit baffling i have to say i don't know what their strongest team will end up being maybe whoever doesn't play singles um because it's it's very hard to sort of pick paul tiafo or fritz in doubles over one another they all feel quite quite similar to me I, i'm desperate to hear that press conference from from marty fish that is a real mystery to me, that situation. Um, and on the basis of the current information, which obviously is imperfect, having not yet heard from Marty Fish, I, I totally understand why Rajiv Ram is irritated, if not incensed and sort of a bit humiliated, really. You'd rather have nobody than have me. <laughs> mm. that's, that's awful. 
I, I realise there is a there's a side of the story to come, and I've got a lot of time for Marty Fish. I'm sure, or I hope that that will change my feelings about the situation. But right now, it's baffling, absolutely get, baffling. Get in there, Matt. I want that <laughs> mm. question. <laughs> I'm sending you into battle. Yes. <laughs> Sort of um, Swiss team 2021 20, <laughs> style in the Billie Jean King Cup. Um, so the United States play against Italy on Thursday. And, and I mean, it, I love this because we've already had the groups. I, th- I think that worked really well back in September, having, having those group stages in, in four cities and then ending up with this. Look, we'll see what the atmosphere is like. And that to me is, is the ultimate test as to whether the, the thing is a true success or not. I want I want an atmosphere. But just on paper, looking at this as four quarterfinals, knockout, no groups, nothing. Get there and perform or you're gone. I love that. Um, so you're starting off with Australia against the Netherlands. We're going to do our predictions for the week in our newsletter, which will go out tomorrow. So if you want to sign up for our newsletter, um, the link to that's in your show notes to this show as well. Then on Wednesday, we've got Croatia against Spain, which in itself is absolutely fascinating. I didn't realise Croatia are world number one in terms of the rankings in the absence of Russia, and yet, and they're playing the home team. Um, and then Thursday, two ties, Italy, USA, and Canada, Germany. It's the return of Borna Goyo to your <laughs> life, David. Yes, Remember him? I have been having a little lookout for him, Catherine, uh, over the course of the year because of that... Particularly because... I, I, I Hang on, hang on. I remember there being a mid-year conversation where you had clearly forgotten he existed. <laughs> I, no, I, you, you are right. You are right. Six months went by without <laughs> me thinking of Borna Goya once. I admit to that. And then, and then I, suddenly I, th- I, I, was in, I was at Roland Garros and I walked past him. And I was like, I, was, I, was, I know you. I was right outside Suzanne Longland. Obviously, that's where I was. And, I'm not, and I'm not so, sure I'd confidently recognise him if he walked past me. I think I'd have a better job of recognising him on the court because Matt, you and I watched him play Maxime Cressy, didn't we? In the first round of the Australian Open, two, did we not? Two of my favourites in the same. Matt's shaking his head. Matt's that like, that, that no, was someone different, wasn't, wasn't it? Wasn't Bonagoyo. <laughs> Wrong bloke. <laughs> Who was watch, that? You, I, I believe it, it was, was someone Thomas else. Mahat. Christian Christian O'Connell or whatever his name was. No, no, that no. He also played Maxine Cressy. It was <laughs> Thomas Mahat. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> but didn't Thomas? Okay, did Thomas Mahat also do something at Davis Cup last year? Yeah, and David also liked him. He was another right. Okay, and okay. I've, I have genuinely no idea what's ever happened to him. <laughs> but Bornegoyo, I walked past in at Roland Garros outside Court Susan Longland, and I'm thinking, you have not been in this draw. What are you doing here? Um, so I looked him up, and I, and I realised he'd been playing quite a few months worth of challenges. You know, he just hadn't tried, to, he hadn't entered qualifying, or he hadn't got through qualifying. He'd just been trying to build the ranking. Um, but you know, they're still the world number one doubles team off the back of of last year, and and get into the finals again this time. And um, and he has had Davis Cup, Davis Cup team. Yes. Yeah. What did I, what did I say? Doubles team. Doubles team. Sorry. Yes. To my knowledge. 
Bornegoyo, great year on the Challenger Tour as he might have had, not not number one at anything. No, but he is part of the, uh, the Davis Cup team, which which is. And, and actually, when you look at their team, they look strong. And Spain look depleted, Matt. I mean, they're still strong because they've got... They've got strength and depth, but I mean, they're missing Nadal, they're missing Alcaraz. Yeah, and not to bash or keep bashing Borna Goyo, but I think <laughs> the hope for Croatia will probably be that they don't need him this time because they've got their other Borna, Borna Choric. Oh. Uh, he was obviously injured last year, but he's now back and has obviously had had some real highs this season. And then, of course, they've got Marin Cilic in the number one position so, yeah, Croatia's strong, obviously world-class doubles team as well. And as you said, Spain depleted. And if Nick Kyrgios is on a poster here, well, Carlos Alcaraz is on all the posters. And oh. he is, you know, all the little signs that they have in, in the town, Carlos Alcaraz is on those as well. So there's no doubt he's a big miss both for the tournament and also for the just the quality of the Spanish team. I did go to the Spain press conference today. They're not thrilled about the pace of the court. It's a very quick court, apparently, and that, oh, really? that doesn't suit the players that they've got here. Um, Who they got? Well, they've got Pablo Carreño Busta, Roberto Bautista Agu, Albert Ramos, um, Vignolas, Marcel Granollers, and Pedro Martinez. And Granoyes said, if we could choose the court, we wouldn't have picked this one. And Sergi Bruguera described it as slippy and fast. And I asked Pablo Carreño Busta how he felt about being the number one for Spain because no Nadal, no Alcaraz. He doesn't strike me as a guy who is that comfortable with sort of being the leader in a team. And he said... Well, I like being number one, but and I thought, yep, I've I've got this correct. I don't think this is a role that he necessarily enjoys. He actually had it last year as well, because if you remember, Alcaraz had to withdraw because of COVID right on the eve yeah. of that event starting. So Carina Buster was number one then as well. And he won his match against I think it was Emilio Gomez. But it was a real battle and he just didn't play that well. Um, so I think they've got a real uphill battle here, Spain. Obviously, Bautista Agu has been has been better in Davis Cup than Carreño Busta, but that feels like a really tough tie against a completely full-strength Croatian team. Yeah, it does. That I mean, That's going to be a, probably pretty electric, isn't it? Because Croatia are going to bring it and... Uh... Wow, that could be quite a tie. Um, actually, Croatia, they've they've got a bit lucky with the way things have worked out because, I, I mean, they're a football mad nation and they start their World Cup that morning, but it's at uh, sort of 11 o'clock <laughs> late morning. So it's like, but they better win because <laughs> otherwise they'll be down in the dumps when they get to play the Davis Cup tie <laughs> for local time. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, it's going to be good, very interesting. Good job Wales aren't aren't in the Davis Cup. I would say. It's, oh, score it's update! Not going, not going brilliantly. Uh, One nil USA. Goal not scored by a current Fulham player. Fine, but not put into their own net by a current Fulham player either. No, no, it's going well. 
can rest easily, Matt. You, Matt wants it to be a draw and none of the Fulham players to kick each other and cause any injuries. <laughs> no, I think I want the US to win. But anyway, maybe that's controversial. It, no, it I think I do too. That is a bit controversial. I th- I thought I would be really into the 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 whale. I was quite invested in the whales thing. I liked the I liked the story, but I've had it so rammed down my throat over the last couple of days. The the Welsh, you know, the story. It's fifty eight years or something, isn't it? Just let me make Six, my own uh, mind up whether it's emotional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, update: It is. <laughs> At least it got me emotional. Um, one one thing about Alcaraz not being able to play and he couldn't play last year, I, I was just looking up the, that Malaga have got this for next year as well, um, which I think, I just really hope Alcaraz gets to play because could you imagine mm. how how electric it could be seeing him play in front of a home crowd and also him both being inspired by but maybe also feeling the pressure of a home crowd. Mm, yes, absolutely. And he has been trying to play you know he was he was at the event last year and had to pull out at the last moment mm. here it's a you know an unfortunate injury and of course he did play davis cup right after he won the us open he played in in the group stage and i think yeah. a lot of people question that from a sort of practical point of view really and just just for the sake of his scheduling and season it didn't seem like the most mature decision maybe but it's great that he wants to play and as you said I I would love for him to be here next year so we we mentioned the US Italy have had a big old blow haven't they because Matteo Berrettini's been forced to withdraw in just the last couple of days so where does that leave them Matt I'm trying to all of these Matt all of these ties feel pretty on on a knife edge I I mean I, I would I would expect Canada to be pretty heavy favourites against Germany. We'll come on to them in a minute. But, I mean, I'm struggling to really pick obvious favourites in any of these ties. Just on Matteo Berrettini, Matt, cursed player. Oh, he might be the poster boy for cursed players. The evidence is mounting, isn't it? Yeah. What's happened? I believe he's got a foot injury, which has ruled him out at the last minute, and that follows Yannick Sinner's withdrawal, so they're... They're without Sinner and Berrettini, Italy. Berrettini is still coming as a cheerleader. Oh. oh that's lovely. Oh, that's quite sweet. I've seen a lot of Matteo Berrettini's face on slightly redundant billboards <laughs> over the past 10, <laughs> 10 days. Of course you have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I, I went out to watch the Italian practice this afternoon and they were lining up as though the two Lorenzos are going to play, Sonigo and Musetti. They were practising together. They were playing points. Um, and then they've obviously got Fanini and Bolelli as part of the team as well, uh, st- still going. I think they've played about 30 Davis Cup ties each. And between them, Musetti and Sonigo have played, I think, seven. So there's a real experienced and inexperienced sort of half and half dynamic to that Italian team. Um, but again, Mosetti and Sonigo are both players that you feel like could get inspired and could play great tennis in the right moment, in the right occasion. Um, Mosetti's improved a lot, but they are less reliable. And for sure, I think the US go in as favourites, probably to win the two singles, really. And then they'd, they'd probably even back themselves in the doubles with 
with Jack Sock as part of the team, as we said. So to me, I think the US, given what's happened to Italy, are quite a strong favourite there. And I should say that's that's the only tie which is taking place in the morning. Uh, most of these ties are starting at four o'clock in the afternoon or I think one o'clock maybe at the weekends. But because there are two tyres on Thursday, that one's at 10am. So if there's going to be less of an atmosphere, I think it's probably eyeballs on on that tie. I mentioned the uh, the fourth one is Canada, Germany. Now, Canada have got Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassime against a German team that is depleted because there is no Alexander Zverev fit to play. I don't even know if he would have played anyway if he'd have played a full year because he has been quite outspoken about it. Although he's he's often wanted to play the, the September tie. I know he was trying to get fit for that, wasn't he? Um, but without without him, they they feel like the underdogs of the whole thing to me here. Yes, I guess so. Uh, but Catherine's rivalry alert this this um admittedly it's a quite a niche rivalry but a rivalry nonetheless this tie could bring us Jan Leonard Struff versus Denis Shapovalov and they've played eight oh, times I'm actually quite into this mm. and and there was a there was a about a month when Struff beat Shapovalov I think three times in a row and has has generally done pretty well against him so I think if Germany are to go through, they're probably going to need Struff to do that again and beat Shapovalov. And for them, it's all about getting it to the doubles because Tim Puetz and Kevin Kravitz, they are both unbeaten in Davis Cup. As a, as a duo together and also with other partners, they are completely unbeatable so far. They won all four in the Davis Cup finals last year that they played together and they won the three decisive doubles rubbers that got Germany through the group stages in in September. So if somehow they can find a way to win a singles match, they've they've got an extremely strong doubles pair, which I suppose does have the effect of putting the pressure on Shapovalov and Ozialiasim to know that they really need to get that tie done in the singles because the doubles will be very, very challenging. So I agree. There's a bit of a mismatch there in the in the singles line lineups, but because of that l- sort of looming doubles team that the Germans have got, it does still make for quite an intriguing tie, I think. Tim Puetz is a, a heck of a doubles player. I'm really um, struck by him whenever I see him play. My eyes always drawn to him on the court. I... I'm not familiar enough with this season to know quite why he didn't qualify for the ATP finals. I would have expected to see him there. I don't know whether injury was involved, either to him or his, his partner, Michael Venus. I think he's still playing with Michael Venus. Anyway, he's a heck of a player. Yeah, they they have been playing together, but I believe Puetz and Kravitz are going to be a pair next season. They are teaming up. Oh, oh bad news for Mies, Andreas Mies. And Michael mm. Venus. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they, maybe can they could get together. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to, to sort of doubles partner and coaching carousel news in December. Um, that's coming yeah, soon. Yeah, c- calls are being made as we speak, aren't they? <laughs> where where does that leave Matt in terms of who plays who in the semi-finals? What are the halves here? So the winner of Australia Netherlands plays the winner of Croatia Spain. 
That semi-final will be on Friday. And then the winner of Italy-USA plays the winner of Canada-Germany on Saturday. I, I do like the way there's space around these matches so that people get themselves a ticket, they know which, they know what they're seeing, and all the focus is on on them. I mean, I think I think it was maybe 2019 when there were just loads and loads of matches and a lot of them in the mornings and they were mm. they felt a bit shunted out of the way. The, these will all be front and centre, won't they? Because they'll all be on the main court and uh, the one court. And so it should it should be really interesting. I mean, the competition should be absolutely fantastic. The uh, the tickets website is daviscupfinals.com we'll put a link as well to them in our show notes if you want to uh, get your hands on some what what do you think is going to happen tomorrow between australia and netherlands who who are you who are you instinctively picking to win that matt oh it, it really feels like it's going to come down to the to the first singles match actually between the number twos um I have a lot of faith in Alex de Menor in this competition. I think he'll get a win, but I think the Dutch will win the doubles. So what are we looking at? Greek Spore or Van Rijthoven, maybe against Kokonakis? Maybe the Dutch. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. And and it's the same format as Billie Jean King Cup in that you mm. play two singles and then a doubles and is it it's best of three, all the matches. Um, is the deciding set in the doubles of full set that is a very good question i really should have the answer to that give me a moment we'll know tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> what do you think catherine 
for Australia. Well, I didn't. I didn't turn. Oh, I thought you were asking me about the final set. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and pad out the answer there, but I can now just declare that I don't know. Um, <laughs> Australia and the Netherlands. Uh, well, instinctively, there you go. Well, Australia. You know, as a tennis nation, they on the face of it, it seem to have better players. But as Matt just laid out, when you drill down into it and look at the matchups, maybe the Netherlands. Dunno. Kokonakis um it's brilliant that he's playing. Um obviously this is only only doubles um that I've seen him in in, in the past week, but he looked quite nervy. I d I didn't think his form was brilliant in Turin. Um, I can imagine him being a, a completely different player um, at Davis Cup, um, but I, yeah, I, I may, maybe the Netherlands, maybe. I think I'm going for, I think I'm going for Netherlands because I just think it will go to the doubles, and they just, they just look mm. so in sync, those two, and they, and what they withstood in Glasgow a, a couple of months ago, playing against Andy Murray in Glasgow. Uh, and a world-class doubles partner alongside him. I mean, I think that's really impressive, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm going Netherlands. Do we have an answer, Matt? <laughs> oh, you've done so well. You've padded it out, and yet my <laughs> my search has still come up a little short. But I, I think instinctively that it's a full set in the third rather than a match tiebreak. In Matt, we trust. Okay, well... I can't wait, uh, is, the, is the truth of it. It's, uh, this is 4 o'clock local time tomorrow, 3 o'clock UK time. What is that? 10 a.m. on the east coast of America. Uh, when is it for Australia? When are they? They're, they're going to be up in the middle of the night. Mind you, they're going to be having a lot of that, aren't they, with the World Cup football as well? Yeah, they're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's their own fault, being on the other side of the world. It's the price you pay for a lovely climate. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> which we are going to be taking a full advantage of in just mm. a couple of months' time. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm very much looking forward to all of it. Uh, we'll be back with you every single night of this week with Tennis Podcasts looking back on the day's play and ahead to the next. We have our mascot for this particular show is Samson, owned by Kirsty Palmer, who says that Samson was adopted from Cats Protection Bridge End in January 2017. Aww. He's now 13 years old, toothless, and mostly interested in eating and sleeping, with occasional interludes for purring like a diesel train. He's 100% moggy, with lovely thick fur and a face full of expression. He's a grumpy boy sometimes, but we wouldn't be without him. I think grumpy cats are the best cats. <laughs> I had a very grumpy childhood cat. Yeah. He was great. Doesn't surprise me enormously that that would be your favourite. Um, see, I've I've got the nerve to say that because I'm not in the same room as Catherine. Um, no, oh, I, I accept that comment. Yeah, in fact, I think you take take a bit of a compliment there, don't you? Really. Um, right then, we've got our own mascots. I've got Darwin. Catherine's got Carter. Matt's got the dearly departed Gerald. Billy Jean the dog is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. Have you seen Billy Jean the dog yet, Catherine? Since your return? No, I will be um, going to get her on Wednesday, I think. When do we get to see Billy Jean the cat, the dog, the cat? <laughs> the cat. There's oh, a cat. God. I want to see the cat. <laughs> um, soon, David. Soon. 
Because we're doing daily pods, aren't we? So she'll be she'll be on a zoom she'll be on a zoom soon. Marvellous. Okay, fine. Uh Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. And Matt, we have shout outs. We have Noreen Riley in Robbinsville, New Jersey. All right, Noreen. New Jersey. I'm coming up completely blank with Noreen's that have played tennis. Yes, me too. Uh, I've got Amanda Anisimova for New Jersey and obviously Bruce. Amanda Amanda was the one who didn't know who Bruce was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We try not to think about that, but we also think about <laughs> it every single day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I should say, while we're doing shout-outs, apologies to James Blake. We forgot him yesterday when we were desperately searching around for a tennis player called James. That feels like a bad miss. A friend of mine, Lucy, had a go at me for not remembering James Ward. <laughs> Crikey, we're getting so hammered from every that. direction here. <laughs> we, yeah. We've also got Liz Zantfort in Melbourne. Right, Liz. Hello, Liz. Keep Melbourne warm for us, please. We're coming. Like the famous Australian tennis player who I've commentated alongside, Liz Smiley. Yes. An- uh, another Australian, Liz. Thanks very much, Liz. We've also got Stephen Ralston in Guildford. Right, Stephen. Oh, down the A3. Hello, Stephen. I mean, there are lots of tennis Stevens, aren't there? Shall I list that? I've done that thing again where I said there are loads and I can't think I of can't a think single of one. There's a Steve <laughs> Johnson. Yes, Stephen. Oh, God. Farrow. Would you like some... myself right up. There must be loads. Come on. Stephen Farrow, the United Cup tournament director, <laughs> for okay. of Queens. Do you know At I was... this stage, David, I'll take that. I was going to come up with a, a, a mid-80s British tennis reference for a former British Steve number one. Steve Dent. Steve Denton, Denton is the person you're thinking of, Catherine. Not, yes. not correct. Uh, Stephen Shaw <laughs> was a, a a British player from the 80s and he was British number one. Great. There you go. I'll take it. We've got Blair Patterson in Manchester. Hello, Blair. Right, Blair. Um, oh, Blair. Well, I've only got Gossip Girl references. We've also got Blair Henley, who does the interviews on many a tennis court after matches, who's very nice and listens to us. Yeah, we like Blair. And thank you very much to Blair, uh, the friend of the tennis podcast. And the last one today is Jill Rafson gifting a birthday shout-out to her sister, Deborah. Deborah is celebrating her birthday today. Hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Deborah. Um, well, for, I, I was going to have, I was going to go Jill Craybass, but then Deborah cropped up and I'm, I'm all at sea now. Can't think of any Deborahs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were, actually, there was Deborah Jevons, who's uh, not only a, uh, a big wig in tennis administration these days, she was once oh. on the Five Live tennis team and I think she got to a quarterfinal of Wimbledon. Maybe British tennis player many a years ago. Happy birthday, Deborah! <laughs> yes, was it indeed. a birthday shout out? It was, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Birthday, happy birthday, Deborah! Gifted to her, which is which is most marvellous. Um, and I have found it's only taken about twelve minutes to find this, but in twenty twenty one, I can see here that there was a deciding uh, rubbles. Du- <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, David, you've got this. Come on. Deciding doubles rubber uh, between Serbia and Kazakhstan, and it finished 6-3 in the third, which would suggest that they play a full set. Good multitasking and detective work. But David. I don't know what happens when they get to six or whether they play a normal tiebreak okay. or whether we'll, they play we'll, a ten we'll, point. We'll establish that in the next twenty-four hours. <laughs> we will indeed. Um, so that's that's your lot here on this uh, first edition of the Davis Cup Finals by Racketon Daily Shows uh, with Catherine, Matt, and myself. Um, we're, we're we're loving the fact that we get to follow this every day and talk to you about it afterwards. Do sign up to the newsletter if you want to know who we think is going to win the whole thing. That's going out tomorrow. The link is in our show notes. Tickets details are in our show notes too. You can watch the thing on Tennis Channel International in the UK uh, and I think in Tennis Channel in the US as well. Um, but anyway, um, look out for it. Watch the uh, watch the action if you get a chance. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with you again tomorrow night. 